0: Surprise your loved ones this Christmas with a Goat Gun, the ultimate gift that won't disappoint. Shop at GoatGuns.com. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, where your source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development, where we share original research, explore industry trends, and interview executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We hope you join us often for practitioner-oriented content around all things related to leadership, HR, talent management, organizational development, and change management. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. You enjoy the Human Capital Innovations Podcast? Enjoy ad-free listening by going to the Patreon page, and please consider contributing even at the producer or sponsorship level. And please leave a review. Thank you for your support. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with David Karandish about maximizing your team's capacity with a secure AI-native support automation platform. David Karandish, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Thanks for having me. It is a pleasure to be with you. You're joining us from St. Louis, Missouri. I'm south of Salt Lake City in Utah. And today we're going to be talking about maximizing your team's capacity with a secure AI native support automation platform. And that's a very technical title and kind of introduction. You're going to help us unpack that. Uh, But I'm all about increasing people's capacity, Uh, allowing them to be more productive and efficient uh, and helping them to do their work better and smarter. And, and so using AI, in a way to help with all of that, I think is fantastic. So this is what we'll be discussing together today. As we get started, I wanted to share David's bio with everybody. David Karandish is founder and CEO of Capacity, an enterprise SaaS company headquartered in St. Louis, Missouri. Capacity is an AI-powered support automation platform that connects your entire tech stack to answer questions, automate repetitive support tasks, and build solutions to any business challenge. Prior to starting Capacity, David was a CEO of Answers Corp. He and his business partner, Chris Sims, started the parent company of Answers in 2006 and sold it to a private equity firm in 2014 for $960 million. David sits on the board's of Create a Loop, a computer science education nonprofit tackling the digital divide by teaching kids to code and Prepare AI, a nonprofit providing educational resources and strategic guidance about artificial intelligence to individuals, communities, and companies. David was always an early investor and board member at Nerdy, an on-demand real-time learning platform in the ed tech space. He lives in St. Louis, Missouri with his wife Erin and four kids, and when not working, he enjoys spending time with his family and playing the ukulele. What a tremendous background. It is truly a pleasure to be with you. Anything else you would like to share with listeners by way of your background or personal context before we dive on in further?
1: I think that's a great place to start.
0: Okay, fantastic. And I I am not a ukulele player myself. I play the guitar a little bit. Um, I have six children and my four oldest, I have four girls and then two boys, and my uh, four girls all are uh, you know, they play instruments, piano, guitar, ukulele, uh, all of those. And it's when I can steal moments to be able to like, listen in on them when they don't know I'm listening. That's when I, you know, pure joy that it's just so (laughs) much fun. And then they realize I'm there and then they like stop because they get embarrassed or whatever, but it's fun.
1: Yeah. I have an electric guitar, which I, which I very much enjoy playing. But, um, after having kids, I switched over to more time on the Uke just with, uh, little kids and naps and all that. So Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, very good. Uh, Well, why don't you start off by just telling us a little bit more about capacity? I teased it a little bit, uh, but maybe unpack that for us, help us understand uh, what you do and why it's important uh, in building the capacities of our teams at work.
1: Yes, if I was at a a party talking about AI, which happens to happen more more often than I'd probably like to admit, uh, I would say that capacity... Uh, I would define it in three words. I'd say we are a support automation platform. On the support side, when we launched just a few years ago, we built an AI-powered bot that can answer questions either internally for your team or externally for your customers. And increasingly, that that division between internal and external is is less of a hard line and more of a gray gradient uh, as your team has more customer-centric questions and your customer wants to know more about Customers want to know more about how things are going internally. Uh, But the basic idea is that you can ask the bot a question. It will come back instantly with a response and uh, continue to learn with every question you throw at it. So when we launched just a few years back, Capacity was answering about 55% of questions automatically. Today, it's up over 90%. And so the AI has gotten really smart at understanding what people mean by what they say, and also connecting a lot more data sources uh, behind the scenes. Second part on the automation side is we have a workflow platform that can take the steps that you would normally have a a person doing in a process. Maybe that's reading a document, sending an email, looking up some information in Salesforce. And instead of having a person do that, we have the bot do that behind the scenes. The analogy I like to use is the AI-powered bot on the front end is more like the server in a restaurant asking you about the steak dinner and the salad and the wine pairing and the appetizer, and think of the uh, think of the workflow component as the uh, the guys and gals in the kitchen chopping up the vegetables, making the soup, kind of serving the entire restaurant. And then lastly, uh, platform uh, we can connect capacity to a wide variety of different data sources. Uh, so we've got over 120 apps. Uh, that have built-in connectors to Capacity. You can go roll your own if you want to go connect it to your own software. We also plug into, I think, five of the major database types. So if you want to connect to MySQL or SQL Server or something like that, we can do that as well. And then we just recently added an RPA component where if you want Capacity to go log into a website and go grab information from an app that doesn't have an API, we can tackle that as well.
0: That's super cool. and. You know, my first kind of snarky comment is, well, are we, are we just like uh, introducing Skynet and the rise of the machines and pretty soon this AI will become self-aware and destroy civilization as we know it? Your response to that would be?
1: I think we have a long way to go. where <laughs> the AI gets there. Um, I do think, though, you know, and this is maybe a different approach than some other companies take. We don't believe everything will be automated by an AI. But we do believe that there is a set of what we call like level zero support functions where you really don't want a person having to log into ADP to pull your vacation balance or have to look up on page 47 of your team member handbook to try to understand what the parental leave policy is. And there's this baseline level set of things where uh, we believe your team shouldn't have to waste time on that and let people do the things that people are really good at.
0: Yeah. And I, I was being facetious, uh, you know, I think automation is really important. We've seen various forms of of automating work since, you know, really the beginning of work and time and with the rise of the industrial revolution, many say we're now in the fourth wave of the industrial revolution with these uh, technologies and automations that are happening, uh, AI, deep machine learning and such uh, advanced robotics. And I mean, one way we can look at it is kind of, you know, that, that's dystopian future, uh, rise of the machines. But another way to look at it, perhaps on the other end of the spectrum, perhaps equally unrealistic, is kind of the Star Trek utopian future uh, where we just free ourselves up to just focus on exploration and discovery and, and doing things that are meaningful. We're going to be somewhere in the middle of there. Um, but I, I like to think of you know how I can utilize AI to be more productive. There are so many things that I do in my workday that I hate doing that are just repetitive, menial things that if I just could free myself up of those things, uh, then I could spend more time being creative, strategic. I could spend more time focusing on really what matters and less time on, on, on that other stuff. Uh, and and that, I think that trickles down to all sorts of jobs. And so there will be some work displacement. Some jobs will go away. Some industries will have rapid disruption and change. Some professions might Uh, rapidly change. Uh, But the reality is uh, we're going to free up more time for people to do more meaningful work, uh, to make meaningful contributions. And for every task that gets taken over by automation, it's going to just open up new possibilities and five other things that now we get to do that we couldn't do before uh, because we uh, we have greater technology to support it. So that's how I approach it. Um, but I, I recognize the resistance that many people have as they think about AI and deep machine learning. And it's one thing to talk about chatbots it's another thing to talk about, you know, the, pulling information and doing all these different things. And some people get a little bit nervous about that.
1: Yeah, I man, I, I like to, I like to start kind of it's at the ground level on what do we mean by ai and automation like david give me your quick quick definitions so my I, you know and there's probably someone's someone's done a more formal uh, more precise definition but i'll give you my my kind of layman's definition automation is simply shifting human labor to technology in a process we've been doing that since the wheel came out, right? Uh, using technology to take what used to be human labor and, in some kind of process and uh, free, free people up. And then if you think of AI, my simplest definition of AI is software that learns and applies patterns. And so if you, if you start to put those two together and you say, when you have AI and automation, you've got software that starts to take on human labor while also learning and applying patterns along the way. Now, there are certain patterns that you have to definitely guard yourselves against. Uh, for example, if you had a data set that said, uh, every, I'm, I'm about 6'2", six, 6'3", six, and if your last three people that you had to fire were over six foot, uh, the data set might might say, oh, don't hire this person who's, who's very tall. Well, that's a Confounding variable that isn't going to uh, actually lead to any positive results. So you have to be careful. Um, I want to be very clear on that. But there's so much of what we do that involves logging into systems, copying and pasting, filling out forms. You know, nobody said they want to be, a, a, you know, copy and paster all day. I, I have one one of our clients. <laughs> one of our clients, true story. Uh, they do a rev- revenue reconciliation process. And this this poor woman, Tina, is literally logging in to 17 different systems a day and reconciling what happens with these accounts. And, and so we're looking at it and saying, is that really her doing her best work? If you come into the St. Louis office, we've got a big sign. Our mission, is, our mission is not to remove people from, from work. Our mission is to help teams do their best work. And so uh, I, I'm i constantly challenging myself and my team and our clients what can we do to help you do your best work? And we believe that we can help automate that baseline level of support. Uh, we can free you up to, to go do what, what you can do uniquely and creatively.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I think that that is a very uh, helpful uh, background and, and definition of some of those terms and a good framing for how we think about automation. Like you said, we automation has been with us always. It just takes different forms at different points in time. Uh, So we don't need to be fearful of it. We do need to be uh, cautious. We need, you know, there are ethical considerations. There are things we need to be uh, concerned about baking in, you know, implicit biases into AI uh, and how we train AI. Say, for example, I'm in the HR space and there's more and more companies using AI in hiring processes, for example. Um, And when that first started, you know, several years back was when those first companies were starting to come out uh, with some of those offerings but then, very quickly, what we started to recognize and acknowledge was that we were training the AI uh, with bias uh, that was disproportionately weeding out, you know, perhaps a people of color or women or name whatever protected class. So, not only is it illegal, it's unethical, and it's just incredibly problematic. It's going to hurt the diversity of your team, uh, and so those types of things we just have to be aware of, and we have to be cautious about. So we. We uh, utilize a tool just like any other tool in a healthy and effective way uh, and, and not allow ourselves to, uh, to get sucked into to taking the easy path uh, d- you know, when, when that's not actually going to get us to where we want to be. So I don't think that's what you're saying. That's not what I'm saying. Um, we just have to make sure that we're, we're cognizant of that and, and putting in place uh, you know, checks to make sure that those things aren't happening.
1: Yeah, I can give you a great example. So one of our clients, when you onboarded as a new team member there, they would give you a printed out 247-page binder of what all their policies and procedures are, how to log into these different systems, and you were expected to read it, have the whole thing basically memorized in a week. So you can imagine how well that went, right? You've got people who, first of all, couldn't even get through all the material, and second of all, even if they did read it, they couldn't retain it. Third of all, searching through that document was painful. Fourth of all, uh, it wasn't with them on the go. So if they're actually out in the job, uh, and they're not tethered to the desk. They don't have that giant three ring binder to go with them. And so we're taking processes like this and we're saying, okay, let's just flip it on its head. What if every question anyone has ever asked in your onboarding process was available through a bot that you could ask and get an instant response back? And you could even see uh, what are the top questions people tend to ask. What if, if you were developing your onboarding and training instead of having to guess where people uh, might need some help filling in the gaps, we can give you all the data, are all the questions that people are asking and which topics those, those apply to. Uh, imagine if you could actually do a real-time assessment of what that onboarding and training is like as to whether or not people are re- re- retaining it or... Enjoying the process or getting the information they need. It's just a complete 180 from the traditional way of, oh, here we're going to hand you a bunch of information. Good luck.
0: Yeah, and and I've seen that scenario play out over and over and over again. And in fact, you know, hopefully that's happening less now. But when I entered the workforce uh, back in the late 90s, and then you know, all all the jobs I had. Man, for probably up until my current, you know, I'm, I, I do consulting work and, and those things on the side, but I'm a professor uh, and I've been at my university for 13 years. So even going up through the point where I, you know, started as a full professor at the university it was probably mostly still that way where it's just literally binders and it's, it's so crazy and ridiculous. Now, thankfully organizations are getting more and more away from that, but there's still holdouts that are giving you that stinking binder <laughs> and just they expect it's kind of like washing their hands, right. Of it. They can just say, well, I told you it's your fault. If you don't do the thing that correctly. And that's such a dumb what do way to you
1: understand every single policy in a 247 page document.
0: In every process and every procedure and and everything like that. And so it, it really is a dumb way to do business. It's terribly inefficient. It wastes tons and tons of time. You end up wasting time also just on the blame shifting and like who's responsible for what. Like just give people answers. People, most people show up to work wanting to do their best work. They show up to work wanting to be effective. They, they don't come to work wanting to screw over the company, usually. Um, that comes later when you get disillusioned <laughs> and you get really upset because you get blamed for stuff that you shouldn't get blamed for. But you know, most people show up and they want to do their best job. And so make it as easy for them to do that as possible, to get the answers that they need. I, I can think just personally, so many times where there's so much bureaucracy, so much red tape, so many policies, practices, and procedures to navigate. And I know I'm not sure what to do. So I go and I look in policy and like, huh, that's not terribly clear. So then I go and ask somebody and they say, well, I think it might mean this. And I go ask somebody else and they, they send me to somebody else. And I end up talking to five different people. Nobody actually really know the answer to the question. And so I just wasted, you know, hours of time and I have no more clarity on what I'm supposed to do or allowed to do than I did before. And and then I just have to decide, well, is it worth the risk? Should I just do it because I think it's the best thing to do and then deal with whatever consequences might come if I did it wrong? Uh, or do I just take the safe path? And a lot of people end up taking the safe path. And so then you just, you you squelch innovation and creativity, like all those right. things go down as well.
1: Well, it might be helpful to use a very concrete example on how we're seeing companies move through the process of automation. So uh, I'll I'll make this a personal example. So this was about a year ago. We were still in the thick end of the pandemic. And most of our system is accessible uh, via login. But there are a few things that we have that you can only access via VPN if you're internal. So I was trying to figure out how do I connect to the VPN on my phone because I just got a a new iPhone. And I'm a reasonably technical human, but for the life of me, I could not figure it out. So instead of having to go to my IT team, file a ticket, go through all these hoops, I just went to the capacity bot and I asked, how do I connect to the VPN? Came back instantly, instantly with the answer, and I was on my merry way. Now, if you think about the process you can go through there. Some people will come back and they'll be like, David, this is great, but I don't know if our team is ready to handle a bot. I don't know if they're going to use a bot. Uh, we're not really a you know, very techy company. I'm like, well, does your team use email? And everybody raises their hand. So if you think about the different stages, stage one, I email your support box and say, oh, how do I connect to the VPN? And it goes and creates a little ticket for me in the back end. And your team starts to jump in. Stage two, I send the email to the support box. It creates the ticket and I get an auto response back saying, someone will get back with you at some point, right? Trivially better than stage one. Stage three is where it starts to get interesting. In this case, I email your support box, goes and creates the ticket. But in addition, it's going to go ask the bot to jump in and send me an auto response saying, David, we got your message. Does this answer your question? How do I connect to the virtual private network? I hit yes, this answered my question, automatically closes the ticket. So here we're having the bot not displace a human, but just jump into the middle of the conversation so that uh, if it can be self-serve, you you can get a self-serve response. Okay, step four, this time I email the support box. It doesn't create the ticket. The bot comes in and responds. And if I say no, thumbs down, that didn't answer my question. Then it goes and creates the ticket. So now you're actually you're literally avoiding that work that someone would have to take on. And then finally, uh, there's step five. In step five, instead of uh, so I so I know I could email my support team, but uh, Brian on the support team, if I email him directly, I know he'll he'll respond to me, right? So we've all done that where we we do the end around and we go around the channel to go try to go straight to the person. Well, now Brian's in a tough spot. Brian doesn't respond to me. He feels like a jerk. If Brian makes up the answer, then he might have given me incorrect information. Now Brian has to go dig through and find the answer to respond back. So we're actually building out a plugin for both Gmail and Office 365, where uh, when I email Brian, hey, Brian, how do I connect to the VPN? The plugin will actually go scan that email, go check with the bot and put a little injectable button so Brian can just hit the button and then it puts the entire VPN instructions directly in the email. So now even if I go around that support box, Brian isn't having to go jump through a bunch of hoops. I get the right answer, and at the bottom he can write, next time, ask capacity.
0: Yeah, great example, and we all deal with those types of little things pretty consistently. Right. Uh, I, am at, I actually have to go get a new phone. Uh, I think I'll do it later today because my phone just like stopped charging and turning on. So time for a new phone. Right. So that means I'm going to have to reset up all of the, uh, the permission things on my phone to access everything at work. And, you know, it's just, it's tedious. It takes a little bit of time. There's enough time that passes and probably enough things that change in the process between, you know, three years ago when I got my phone versus today um, that I don't remember exactly how to do it. And so I'm going to probably end up spending a couple hours trying to do all those things just so I can access everything that I need to to do my work uh, from my phone. And, and that's really annoying. It's dumb. And, and it's one of the reasons why I've resisted going to get a new phone for so long to the point where it won't even turn on because I didn't want to have to deal with it. Uh, And so if you, anything you can do to just make that easier, uh, to to help uh, streamline the process take away the busy work assist people who might be overloaded overburdened uh, all of those things I think are real positive uh, for us and our teams and that that's what these these bots are uh, allowing us to do and, and what AI can help us to do and like you alluded to earlier i I laid out that dystopian scenario which is silly and we're nowhere near anything like that um, but there is tremendous capacity with AI, and it, it, that capacity increases you know daily. Like we're, we're in an exponential curve in terms of computing power and, and the cost of storage and memory and all those things. It just it means that we're going to be able to do more and more uh, faster and better uh, and more efficiently. And that's a positive. So let's learn how to use the tools. Uh, let's leverage them for our teams. And, and free up everyone's time so they can do what really matters, what's going to be meaningful and impactful for them and the business.
1: Absolutely. And I, I think the other thing that's been really interesting with our clients is that our clients will often start in one department or one area. Maybe it's HR, or maybe it's IT, or maybe it's customer success. And then they find that the other groups are wanting to jump in. They're like, oh, how do I add to this, or, oh, I want my department, uh, to be able to automate its support too. And so you see this kind of proliferation where eventually it becomes almost like the, the level zero support brain for the whole organization. And then intelligently escalates up to the right person because it's, we always say, no matter how good, even for AI can answer 90% of the questions that last 10%, how we handle those with, um, uh, white glove service to be able to get you to the right person to answer your question is, is just as important.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Very well said, David. It has just been a pleasure. I know the time I'm going to have to let you go here in just a minute, but before we wrap up, I wanted to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can connect with you, find out more about your work, your team and what you can do for them. And then give us a final word on the topic for today.
1: Yeah. So if, if you'd like to reach out, uh, you can visit uh, www.capacity.com. You can email me directly, david at capacity.com if you'd like to learn more about what we're up to. Uh, We've got a bunch of case studies on the website as well, uh, specifically within the HR space. Um, So happy to to walk through those as well. Uh, But I I think the place I'd leave you with is there are only going to be two types of companies. The companies that embrace this kind of tech and the companies that are left out in the cold. Uh, We already have clients who are budgeting for capacity out of their hiring budget because we're in this crazy job market where it's so hard to find the right people. Um, so my my encouragement to you is you don't have to eat the elephant in one bite. Just, just, just get started. Find the first place where you can start automating and applying AI, and you'll find that it will snowball into more and more opportunities.
0: Yeah. Excellent. Thank you, David. It's been a real pleasure. I encourage listeners to reach out, get connected, find out more about what David and his team can do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. You enjoy the human capital innovations podcast. Enjoy ad-free listening by going to the Patreon page and please consider contributing even at the producer or sponsorship level.